When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time ticking away now. We're just about to go into the last minute of the game, and it's actually turned into a bit of a thriller here at Eden Park. Can Manawatu break a drought that goes way back to the early 80s? Here they come. Christian Goss. He stopped just short of the line. Phil Ewan. Manawatu, can they make history? Why they go? Tupu Tupu. He stopped on the five. Auckland have to watch their discipline. They come at Monson, but he carries strongly. Phil Ewan sends it away. Here's a chance. He's in. He's in. Gotcha. The replacement forward has scored. Right by the post. And can you believe it? Manawatu now have a chance to end a drought that goes back to 1981. And now it comes down to this young man. Armstrong Ravula, he's kicked it, and Manawatu have done it! My co-host, Steve Devine, an Auckland man, just got his head in his hands. But I tell you what, if you're a Manawatu fan, one of the great moments in the MPC, Manawatu beating Auckland for the first time since 1981, Eden Park 33-31, a remarkable game of footy. But a somewhat indifferent season for the Manawatu MPC side. Joining us on the programme now, and very graciously, and we do appreciate his time this afternoon, is their coach, Mike Rogers. Afternoon to you, Mike. Good afternoon, mate. It um, seems like a lifetime away, that game, eh? So if only we could have um, put, pushed the stop button on the season at that point, might have been bloody good. If, if only it was a lifetime away, mate. <laughs> that, that, that Stevie. Hey, hey, Mike, I want to ask you, I mean, how do you? how is it that a team, I'm curious by this, how is it a team that can get up at Eden Park, beat Auckland, and then yet, I guess, not played at that same level against arguably lesser teams um, that then follow? Mate, really good question. I haven't figured out the answer to that yet, but hopefully over the summer with a bit of time to reflect, I can um, yeah, come up with some of the solutions, I guess. But um, I've have thought about it quite a bit, and I reckon new coach comes into a team, you always get an uptick in terms of performance and effort and stuff, and I think over the first five weeks we're actually really good. You know, we lost closely to Wellington and Taranaki. Canterbury gave us sort of a hiding, and then we beat Northland and Auckland on the bounce. But um, like anything, when there's not too much substance to it, it kind of always falls away, you know. So, yeah, there's lots of work to be done over the off-season in terms of how we can rectify that. And we've got a really young group. Um, some of them struggle with the day-to-day rigours of being a professional rugby player. Um, some other guys did really well, but, you yeah, know, it's um, no simple answers. Yeah, where do you ultimately draw your talent pool from? How deep is it and how wide is that talent pool? Um, the union's got a strategy which I backed fully to try and grow a home homegrown team. Now the reality is um, before I was brought on board as a coach I'd signed 10 young fellows out of the academy into the NPC team for the first time and some of those boys did really well and some of them really struggled. And so you know, I've got a proposal in front of the union at the moment around how we can do this properly in terms of growing our academy and resourcing it appropriately. 
um, the next significant investment. You know, we can't. It's, not, it's a non-sustainable model just to go out there and find you know, 10 new guys from inside or outside the region and and try and be competitive. Like, I think there's 246 rugby players in New Zealand now, and we had four. So, um, stark contrast to some teams that have you know upwards upwards of 25. So, but we've got a lot of work to do to build this, but I'm fully committed. So we'll see how we go. Mate, what are the biz, biggest obstacles? Obviously, some of the bigger unions probably have um, a little bit more money and uh, facilities and those sorts of things. What, what are your biggest obstacles as as Manawatu? How do we get you guys? Um, you know, what challenges are you guys facing? Oh, mate, we produce talent, but the reality is, over the last five years, we haven't retained it. <clears throat> so there's a whole bunch of guys playing for other NPC teams and Super Rugby teams that originate from. Um, from the money or two, so you don't have to look. You know, it's a few guys playing for the All Blacks that have never put the money or two jersey on at an NPC level, like the White Locks and Cody Taylor and guys like that. And for every one of those, there's five more that are Super Rugby players or really good NPC players. So ultimately, I think we've got to give people something to believe in, and we need to have a strategy around how we're going to grow this, and actually have some patience to stick at it because it's it literally is a you know, three to five year deal to actually build your own team and retain your best talent and we've done a pretty good job of keeping uh, the New Zealand schools players around. The majority of them have, have decided to stay, which is which is cool, but um, may have said that for the last five years, it'll be a different story. You'd have 15 or so super rugby players running around. So, um, yeah, the hard part is getting people to, I guess, be patient and stick with it because um, there's no easy fix. Mate, how's your club competition down there? Obviously, you're producing uh, players. Is your club competition strong? Uh, not particularly. So it's a seven-team competition. So there's very few guys that are running around in club land at the moment that have the capability of being NPC players. Um, but again, that's our, our obligation to try and fix that. With you know, If we can be bringing we're retaining 15 young fellows into our academy every year and stopping club rugby that way it'll, it'll only strengthen it um, but again mate it's a long term a long term um, fix to a pretty acute problem hmm. uh, I've been very critical of New Zealand rugby and the fact that um, the erosion of the domestic game at this country everything seems to be about the All Blacks and um, you know MPC a lot of people think that should be the focus that should be the competition in this country. It was arguably once the best provincial competition in the world, but doesn't seem to be quite that same level of engagement from the public now. I don't think it's a point of view into the default setting. What's the answer? Where do you sit on this? What what do we need to do to get the MPC back up to where it was? I think the first step is we need to be creative and looking at the at the problem. You know why are people not engaging with this product? Um, you know, not to say that it. It's oversaturation because it's literally not like there's no. I think the Hurricanes played one game in a month or two this year for the first time in about four or five years, and they got a good crowd. But other than that, the Turbos are the team, right? And, and still only you know, a thousand to two thousand people are tuning up to watch it. So I think we can have a look at some other sports models in terms of how they do things around a draft and a salary cap that actually actually works. Spread some talent around and and try and drive some engagement that way like we're mate, I think we're still operating the nineteen eighties model in a in the <laughs> two thousand and twenty three. And it's um yeah, young people aren't really uh, that engaged by just turn up and watch your local team every or once a fortnight or whatever, you know, like 
there's so many things that we could be doing to make it a hell of a lot more attractive. What are those? I think, fresh, I think, I need, oh, I mean, I think having a draft would be great, you know, so you top 50 kids of the, in the country going to a draft and one or two finish 13th this year, so you might get a couple more picks than what Canterbury get, and Canterbury obviously wouldn't want that because they're in a pretty strong position, but man, it's killing this. It's killing rugby in New Zealand, so a salary cap that at the moment only two or three teams actually can get to it. Everybody else is paying significantly under that, like the point of a salary cap should be to spread talent around, not save unions from going broke. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that we could be doing. Um, I've spent a couple of years in MLR and they've done a fantastic job in terms of creating something from nothing. There are no people in the US that actually support rugby or very few and make their engaging new audiences. So maybe we've got to swallow some pride and have a look at you know, some overseas competitions to see what they're doing that's making a big difference. Yeah, mate, I think that's a very fair point. We just don't seem to have that engagement from you know, even the local communities, like I understand there's a lot going on in the bigger cities and, you know, big stadiums and you don't get the atmosphere, but when it's the little, you know, used to be, used to be the bread and bread of New Zealand rugby, the, the little provincial unions will get a, get a game here and there and you'd have big crowds and big turnouts, but you know, we just, we're just not seeing that anymore, which is, which is a real concern. Yeah. And I guess it's just, you know, the question I'd ask is what are we actually doing to engage those people? Yeah. I can't, I can't think of anything that's creative that we're doing to mm. engage people to NPC. It's on pay TV, which most people, most young people don't have. Um, you know, we don't do anything creatively in terms of how we spread talent around the country. We don't tell the stories very well in terms of young players that are coming through. You know, we're not giving people too many reasons to part with their, with their dollar, are we? Mm. You're listening, to, you're listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Uh, Turbo Manawatu, Turbo's coach Mike Rogers is my guest on the programme. Um, Mike, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The financial stability of the unions as well. I mean, I'm a little bit mortified where I see the All Blacks, if they win the World Cup, get a $150,000 bonus, which adds up to about four and a half, five million dollars $5 I mean, to me, that's my expectation on the All Blacks. I mean, do we deduct money if they lose games or if they lose test matches? I, I struggle with that because I know how tough some of these unions do it. And you go, $5 million going to the players. Well, that's a $1 million for five different unions. Can MPC, should it be an amateur competition um, what level, I mean, what should that salary cap be? How do we make this economically viable? I think we have to look at the purpose of the competition. So for me, and I don't know whether this is what New Zealand rugby thinks, but for me, the development competition, right? So we're trying to develop the next group of super rugby players. Now, in order to do that, you need to pay them. Um, but it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me that we play 10 games in nine weeks. We have a very short pre-season, and man, it's all over before it even got started. So... It would make a lot more sense for me that it's a longer competition, you know, more games over a longer period of time, so we actually get to do some coaching. Like maybe if you ever look at our season this year, we had an eight-day turnaround, a six, a six, a five, a four, etc. Like there's not a lot of coaching going on, which when you consider that it's supposedly a development competition, it's a little bit illogical. And then you know just the creative things we talked about around how how maybe we can spread some talent around the country to give. You know, ultimately, to, it'll be a much more vibrant competition if you had 14 teams competing, but the reality is the bottom four are pretty much been the bottom four every year for the last you know, four or five years, or probably even longer. So, I don't know, I think it'd be much better for everybody if you had, you know, teams like Manawatu being able to compete with the big boys. 
I, I couldn't agree more. If if we're all looking at this as a development competition, then then we have to make it about development and not about winning, and not about the big unions just trying to win because that doesn't do anyone any good. If it's going to be about development, then we have to move some players around and make it competitive. We have to put some old heads with some young kids. Um, to get them to learn how to be rugby players, to get them to train how to be rugby players. And again, if it's about development, then it needs to be about development. And, and that's the sole focus. And that means moving super club rugby players around the country where they needed where they needed most. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. So um, I guess back in the day, MPC was the pinnacle of New Zealand rugby. And, you know, it's been, it's, you know, everyone's tried really hard to maintain that. But, you know, super rugby has been around for, almost 30 years now so I think perhaps we have to look at things a little bit differently and and see whether we can actually you know, ensure that the investment's going in the right areas and that we're actually you know, increasing the number of high quality players in, in the country. I want to ask you this, you've clearly done very well, you're now coach of an NPC side Mike, um, what about the coaching pathway, are we doing enough to develop good coaches and what's your pathway been like and, and what challenges have you faced from a coaching point of view in terms of resource? Um, really good question. So I, I wasn't a professional rugby player, so I'm a little bit of an anomaly in terms of my professional coaches. And man, it was challenging, but I was really fortunate enough to have a man called Clayton McMillan support me and bring me through in the Bay of Tony system, which is um, which is really helpful. And, and also what I'm trying to do at or two in terms of a couple of local coaches that we're trying to bring through into our system because I think we we owe it to you know those people who are out there. I'm operating at club land and stuff like that to, to try and bring them through to uh, professional coaching ranks. Um, probably the most helpful thing for me was coaching the Bayatini under-19s, which is only a short campaign, but it's probably as close as you're going to get to uh, NPC rugby in terms of you know the intensity of number of games over a short period of time and stuff like that. I think probably going to get in a lot of trouble after this interview, but perhaps New Zealand rugby's missed a bit of a trick by getting rid of that tournament. Uh, you had 14 or 16 teams, sorry, at that tournament with, you know, a lot of coaches that are now coaching NPC teams and Super Rugby teams and stuff that that have coached those teams. So, you know, I know it was one of those things that got cut because of COVID, because of the cost. But, um, mate, it was awesome for me and, and a whole heap of other guys that have been through that program as well. So, um, yeah, it's the same. I guess it's the same issues, isn't it? It's only a finite amount of cash to go around, so you got to try and figure out, you know, which basket to put your eggs into. Um, but yeah, mate, that that'll be. That'd be great if they could um, bring that back. Um, Mike, I've got one question that I sort of asked a lot of people involved in rugby these days. Um, what do you think is more important, winning or enjoyment? <laughs> I mean, they go hand in hand, don't they? Like, I don't really enjoy not winning. That's probably the start. But um, I think we have to do it because we love it. And, you know, I, I struggled a bit, you know, coaching my or two this year and we weren't winning. And it's a pretty lonely, dark old place when you're, you know, getting beaten convincingly for a few weeks in a row. Um, and I don't tend to enjoy that too much, but ultimately we have to create environments that players want to be part of. And, and we got that right for a large part of the season this year and saw some pretty good results. But um, and the unfortunate reality is when you're getting a bit of a hiding, no matter how positive we try and make the environment, like people aren't stupid, eh? So um, I'd say they weren't enjoying it as, as much in the last two or three games as what they were. And when we knocked off Auckland, but well, I think it's ultimately people need to play rugby because they're fun. Like, yeah, it's a career and you know, it's pretty brutal at times, but and there's plenty of other things we could be doing that um, 
they're a lot less fun. So a bit of gratitude um, doesn't go amiss there. Mike, I've got to say, best coaching interview I've done for an awful long time, mate. You're a breath of fresh air. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the program, mate. Never change. And good luck with your number two team going forward. You, 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 you've got me on board. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys' time. And yeah, people of Manawatu are really proud. And hopefully we can um, turn things around over the next couple of years and give them, give them something to be um, happy about. Just take it easy on Auckland next year, okay, mate? <laughs> That wasn't. Uh, heaven and, heaven and, uh, if there was one word that um, summarises enjoyment is to bring, you know, bring home a victory on Eden Park. It's bloody awesome. Yeah, Tony Johnson did a good job. Have you got a uh, thirty-three, thirty-one tattooed on the body somewhere? <laughs> well, man, I actually don't have any tattoos, but um, <laughs> thinking my about it, looking at me, she's looking at me right now, saying Mike, absolutely not. You owe me, a, you owe me a new TV remote control because I smashed it up the wall when you scored that try. <laughs> Hey. hey, Mike, thank you. Look, enjoy the rest of your day. Mike Rogers there, coach for the Two Turbos. Boy, what a breath of fresh air. It's great to have guys coming out and actually saying, look, this is what's wrong with the game, but then offering a solution too. And that's what we've got to do. These guys are at the coalface of it. MPC, if, if we're going to have the Super Rugby format, we're going to have MPC, then MPC does need to be that development. And as Steve says too, then if that is the case, spread the talent, make sure you've got young guys with old guys. Let's not just have the Canterbury's and the Auckland's doing everything they can to try and win this comp. And then you've got to have communication with your Super Rugby sides as well so that you've got continuity so that if they do end up going into the Super Rugby environment, it's not too big a step up either in terms of the cultural necessarily the way things are done. Yeah, mate, if it's development, it's development. But I, I understand that also some unions want to grow their own talent and that's important and they should be able to hang on to their own talent. But but pulling kids out of school from another city and then making them your own talent, I don't I don't think that's – I think if you have the opportunity to grow some kids locally, then then you should be able to hang on to them. Other than that, we move them around the country as we need it because yeah. it the, is a it The is draft a system seems to be, even at a super rugby level, still seems to be – there still seems to be a, a, a desire – for that to occur at some level. And, and the one thing we're hearing over and over and again this year, we've had this conversation with a few, a lot of people, some CEOs, some coaches now, some players, the enjoyment factor, right? We, it doesn't seem to be at times much fun for anyone. We need, it has to be enjoyable, particularly yep. at our local club, club level, school kids. level. Yep. We have to make it enjoyable and the enjoyment factor needs to be well and truly above and beyond the emphasis we put on winning. And also... It's got to be enjoyable because there are a lot of other sports out there that never used to exist, that now exist, that are part of uh, New Zealand's psyche, that are enjoyable. And sometimes they just lend themselves to enjoyment a little bit more. That's what you're up against.